What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Sexy time. Yeah. And welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. I am Cammy Black and I'm joined by Ian Hay. Greetings. And Brody Smithers. Hello. Uh, if you're listening to this, you'll already know we're on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify and anywhere else you can get podcasts these days. Um, if you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. If you like what we do, we only read out complimentary reviews. Uh, you can get involved with the podcast by getting in touch with us through the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, Twitter at scottrugbyblog or at Black, and we're on Facebook as well. You can also email us on podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Um, quick shout out to Matto in the comments um, on the, uh, it's the last podcast post actually, uh, who revealed that he normally listens to the podcast in the bath um, and, and so does his wife. Um, strangely enough, um, not at the same time though, apparently, um, at different times, but this week, uh, they got together and they listened together over a bottle of wine from their, um, their digs in Tuscany. It's not clear if, if they were on holiday or not. Um, but, um, I'm just going to play a bit of, a bit, a bit of music for, um, Matt and his wife, a bit of sexy music. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, lovely to hear that couples are spending, uh, romantic nights together listening to the podcast. Um, maybe, um... Maybe this music will help put them in the mood. Um, but Matto also revealed that his wife has dreams about very Scotland players. Um, not those kind of dreams. So far, she's dreamt that she's Pete Horn receiving abuse from people off social media. She's been lost in a car with Finn Russell trying to give him directions. That sounds like a bit of a nightmare. Um, and that she was Stuart Hogg trying to buy a villa with his wife in, Tus- in a Tuscany bakery. So, um, yeah, get in touch and uh, tell us how you listen to the podcast or any, any dreams you've had about Scotland players so long as they're clean. Um, but um, I'll just, as I fade that music out, we'll uh, move on to this. Well, we're low tie and we're low blows and doggy back on in speedos. But I just want to know, did you see the legend that's doogie down the lead? Yeah, it's our Where's Doogie Donnelly uh, section of the blog. It's uh, time for uh, the news and rumours. Um, if you have any news or rumours, uh, then do drop us a line, uh, just like Craig Little, who dropped us uh, a wee line on Twitter over the weekend to highlight um, the opening of Highland Rugby's new facilities, which were opened yesterday by um, Her Royal Highness uh Princess Royal, she of the uh, Bloodthirsty Corgis. Um, they've got a new pitch in Clubhouse funded by Highland Council, Sports Scotland and the SRU, uh, which looks like it's going to be a good facility for the region. Um, either of you got any news? Brody or Ian? Um, I saw Sean Kennedy at a bus stop. What bus? 
Well, it's a bit controversial, actually. He was getting the bus. He was getting the uh, number 26 from outside the Murrayfield Spire Hospital, and he got off at Murrayfield, which is only three stops away. Well, I suppose if he was at the hospital getting his knee seen too or something like that, he might not want it to walk. Well, you see, he was playing for Boromir on Saturday, though, so <laughs> I don't want to cast aspersions on the boy, but maybe if he were to walk a bit more and get less buses, he might find himself back in Richard Cockerell's matchday squad. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of spot that um, that we're looking for and, and the sort of insight we're after. Um, Ian, are you, are you any news at all? Um, not personally, but I suppose the big news at this side of the M8 is the return of DTH van der Merwe to Glasgow. Uh, yeah. That came as a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm it's, zero it's for two now. Straight away as well. Yes, I, that's, um, I remember we discussed Matt Scott. And I thought he wasn't going to come back. I heard the DTH rumours. I thought he's not going to come back, but straight away, and he comes. I know you uh, just need to say that you really hope that James Haskell comes, and then that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did say that the other week, didn't I? So that's definitely not happening. <laughs> Um, we have had some other news um, off the social medias and the Twitters. Um, Scott Beatty got in touch to say that Matt Landles of Hoik has retired from rugby at the age of 41, which is pretty good going at that level. Um, Matt turned out for Hoik this weekend against Melrose, um, even bagged himself a try. Um, and he took the conversion, the last kick did of the he? game. He did he? Oh, yes. that's... They let him take the conversions and they all cheered. That's amazing. Were you there or did you just hear no, about it? No, I heard that. I played against Matt when he was younger and his... Uh... Older brother Ian or Veg, as he's known. Veg, that is that's there's nothing there is none more glorious a sight than a, a front row taking a taking a conversion. Did he did he get it? Do you know? Yeah, he nailed it. Yep. Oh, amazing. Um, also playing in that game um, was British and Irish lion Alan Dell, so he must be getting back to full fitness. Uh, yeah. Scott also said he'd seen Carl Hogg the Worcester Warriors um, outgoing coach on his delayed easy jet flight back from Rome to Luton. Um, We've had one on the email. Alan Tanner got in touch to say he'd seen Murray McCallum in the Taste of Italy Cafe in Edinburgh. Um, Do you know that, Brody? You're local to Edinburgh and Taste of Italy? No, it doesn't doesn't sound... Sounds a bit Stockbridge to me. Yeah, um, well, Alan described him as a massive unit... And according to Ali, Alan, uh, Murray's been viewing flats. He did tell me where, but I've not. I've decided not to read that out. Um, he's looking at leasing a car rather than buying one, and he knows all. And uh, Murray knows all the best places to park for free on Leith Walk. Um, Alan also revealed that Murray ate a large bowl of pizza and several slices. Uh, no, a large bowl of pasta and several slices of pizza before saying he was off for a wee lie down before heading to Murrayfield. So. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a trend this week of um, poor preparation from Embra lads before training. Yeah, it's pretty poor. Um, I thought you a, a bowl of pizza. I thought maybe some hipster joint that's opened up. <laughs> it's very possible. Nicole. We might come up with something there. Maybe we should open open something up, a bowl of pizza with um, breakfast fish cereal, something like that. I um, saw, um, who did I see? I saw Simon Taylor in Holland and Barrett. And... What was he buying? I couldn't really work it out. He was sort of looking at vitamins, I think. Right. Um, and then I saw Cammy Mather, a former Scotland captain, um, at Dynamic Earth with his children. Oh, very nice. Was he... Did he look like he was having a fun time? Yeah, he looked very chuffed. He's a, he's a hell of a hell of a positive lad, is Cammy. So he was running around oh. with his kids. It's lovely. That's that's better than my mate who once saw. Um... 
Aidan Moffat from Arab Strap on the Isle of Mull looking miserable and trying all they could do to avoid his kids. Um, <laughs> I love Aidan Moffat. Absolutely love it. <laughs> um, Scotland under 20s lost 45 31 in Bari. Um, Scotland women lost 26 12 to Italy in Padua on a pitch so waterlogged and muddy. I, uh, I kept expecting to see Martin Sheen emerge from it in full combat makeup. Um, did either of you catch, catch either of those games? Sadly, I didn't. No. I saw about an hour of the women's game. Um, yeah. and I thought that surely this should get called off. Uh, not just because we were getting beat at the time, but it was it looked pretty dangerous. Yeah, it it wasn't in the best. I saw a picture before the game even kicked off, and the pitch didn't look in the best of conditions. Um, to be fair, um, Mike MC, it might be Mike Mc, but I've decided Mike MC sounds cooler. Uh, on Twitter, uh, said to be fair to the Scottish ladies, they stuck at it. Some of the handling in the second half was sublime given the conditions, and I actually thought they might pull it back for a win. Um. The big news of the weekend um, was that Ember beat Munster 12-6 on Friday night at Murrayfield. Um, either of you watched that? I did, yeah. Yeah, um, I watched it as well, yeah. It's a nice wee feather done for us. Yeah. For the Warriors, it is, yeah. Um, it was a pretty awful game of rugby. But, it wasn't great. But good in a strange way. Very cockerel, very sort of um, just dogged from Edinburgh. It was like out monstering monster, which is uh, no mean feat. Yeah, um, there was. I saw. I saw. I saw the um, the Duhan van der Merwe were. Well, he scored both tries, but the one set up by Dougie Fife that was a, a lovely try. Um, quite quite on Edinburgh like in that it was a, a length of the pitch jobby. Um, do you? Uh, of course, you know who got the. Uh, you know who got the conversion. Matt Landles. No, Jacko van der Volk. Of course, it was. Because I get to play the music. I haven't played it for weeks. You're playing that theme tune again. I am playing the theme tune again, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my nine-year-old son was there with an entire troop of Cub Scouts. A troop of Cub Scouts? Is that the collective? Anyway, they were all there. Um, for some reason, they arrived 45 minutes before kickoff, um, and it was absolutely Baltic. And then they sat through 80 minutes of turgid of rugby um, and came back blue. That is not that is not the game of rugby that you want to um, you want to use to encourage kids into the game. Oh, no. Edinburgh at Murrayfield as well. I mean, it's just anyway, not my Spe- fault for once. <laughs> uh, speaking of um, young players and, and player retention, I always, I'm always good at finding these links. Um, Ruri Campbell of this parish, who um, contributes to the blog and uh, to the podcast occasionally, um, he's our resident referee expert. Um, he is, I think, on the SR Youth, the SRU Youth Panel, which is a bit of a mouthful, um, and they are doing a survey on player retention to try and work out why so many um, people drop out of the game. Um, if you look on the podcast page of the blog, uh, I'll post a link to it. Otherwise, if you find Ruri's uh, Twitter um, or even the Scottish Rugby blog Twitter feed, um, it's being heavily tweeted over there. Um, so um, it's uh, that's well worth a look. Um Back to Ember, though, that's them up to third in the conference. Conference B? Conference B. Um, Ulster in fourth with a game in hand, so they're they're pretty much in contention for that playoff position. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think uh, Cockrell was in the, the press this week saying that the uh, you know this is the honeymoon period. So I don't know what his honeymoon was like, but it was pretty brutal on Friday night. <laughs> so they need to go by. <laughs> Well, but, so if no, that's it's, his, good. it's good to be. 
let's work the equivalent of that. So Richard Cockrell must have spent his honeymoon in a what an all-you-can-eat buffet. Just possibly with Willem now. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you know, no one's no one's happy to be there, but you know, there's a lot going on, and you've just got to plow on through it. Yeah, an ordeal. <laughs> yeah, trying trying to make your money back desperately. Um. Right, I think that's, I mean, I've no more news. There wasn't much news this week. That was as much as we could squeeze out of it. Uh, thanks, everyone, for their uh, contributions. We are always on the lookout for uh, particularly club news. If you've got any anything like the Matt, Matt Landos news, anyone retiring you want us to give a shout-out to, do get in touch, um, and we'll happily do that. Um, we will crack on now, and we will do this. Head, heart, and arse. Yeah, it's head, heart, and arse. We'll do our review of the Scotland-Italy game Unlike everybody else in the world, um, we're going to let the dust settle a little bit before we uh, dissect Scotland's Six Nations campaign, um, just because I think you need um, a week or so distance. And also, I think it's it's kind of disrespectful to Italy um, if we don't give them a proper doing, unlike Scotland, um, who didn't manage that at the weekend. Um, Brody, um, let's let's do... We've been starting with the negatives recently, but let's let's start with head. What, what was your head from that game? Um, very much a win, a bonus point win, job done. It was a game we targeted as a win before the campaign and we got the job done. Very functional. It wasn't, but it, I mean, it, it wasn't maybe as, um, functional as all that. I mean, I, I suppose that was the, the way we went about it in the 26 nil win at Murrayfield last year, but it was maybe a bit more tricky, Ian. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that maybe made it a bit more tricky was that Italy played better than we thought they would. Um, but you know, we've got Brown, Nell, and Swinson. They all came back in, and they've, they've they're really short on match fitness and match sharpness. So I think that definitely showed. Um, but you know, we got the win in the end, um, so we finished third place, which is you know I think that's probably what we expected. Maybe the rest of the table didn't go as we expected, but you know, we beat Italy. Um, that's fine, you know. Bonus point one. And um, what was your head? My head was uh, we managed to like the France game. We managed to grind it out. Uh, things weren't going well to begin with, but uh, we managed to pull ourselves along by the bootstraps and sneak out the victory. Um, and um, what about your heart, then, Ian? What's was there, was there any was there any emotion to be eked out of that? Uh, apart from relief, not a great deal. Um, no, but. One thing that I did notice uh, the the malls when we actually claimed the lineout, we lost another two lineouts, which is a bit concerning. But uh, we managed to score two tries off a mall, really, uh, which was a bit of a bit of a surprise because I thought you know the, the pack has been a bit underpowered this this campaign. But we got we got that, and uh, you know we we dug ourselves out of a hole again. Um, Brody, you 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 agree with that? Did you have something similar for your heart? Yeah, I mean the rocks were um, were filthy. I was enjoying them. That was uh, that was great. Um, we are improving as well. I mean, generally we are improving, and you know there's been a lot of kind of bluster in SRU PR about how many points we left out there and how we're winning away from home and we would have lost these games previously and all that sort of stuff. And you know I want to believe that, and I think it's you know absolutely you know that maybe two years ago we would have lost that game. I don't know, but. Um, you know, there is improvement. We've had a good Six Nations. 
I thought Barkley played well. I thought Maitland played well. I thought Watson had a good game. You know, there were definitely positives to come out of it. Um, but it was a bit being put through the emotional ringer, the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, and this was the the only game where Scotland went out a couple of days before kickoff, whereas all the other ones would be going out on the Friday. And there were pictures of the guys going around Rome before the match, sort of taking in the atmosphere. And I, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's because of feedback from this podcast. I'm not getting an ego um, that large yet. But um, oh, no, no, it definitely it, is. You've got to be narcissistic <laughs> about these things. They're definitely less <laughs> Yeah, Townsend, Townsend, listen to the podcast and thought that's it. I'm going to change the entire schedule just because of what they said on the podcast. Hold um, the no, I, I think that that was mentioned earlier. So Sean Kennedy can get on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was mentioned earlier that that was the plan for Italy, but it, it's. I think it. I mean, there was. I can't remember who it was. There was somebody say. I think it might have been uh, Mark Palmer in the Times saying, or no, it was even Tom English. I think saying that that game doesn't necessarily prove that Scotland can win away from home, and I think that's probably still the case. Yeah, um, I thought it was awful performance by Scotland. Actually, it was really. Um... You know, and I, again, I think it was Tom English that made the point: if we'd lost that game, how absolutely devastating that would have been. Mm. And you know, we were two points, two point one, two points away from that scenario. You know, if, if Grieg hadn't made that kick at the end, um, you know, that's a disaster. Um, so whilst there is an, a large element of yes, we've got it, we've done it, you know, great, that could have been worse. There's also a real element of brinksmanship about that. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think the, the, um, the Scotland seemed to fail to adapt to the way that Italy were playing and Italy were just sort of like, we're, we're going to play like you. They were rushing up in the defence. They were, you know, throwing the ball, chucking the ball a bit, about a bit. And I think that maybe wasn't what, what we were expecting, Ian. Yeah, no, obviously I was about to say the same thing. They, they played very much like us, the way uh, Negri was hitting rocks at, at great speed, and he, he was arguably man of the match outside of Tommy Allen, who, um, sorry, Tommaso, as we should call him now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, Scotland just made so many, so many errors, basic handling errors, uh, particularly in the first half. I thought Hugh Jones had a bit of a shocker. Um, Finn wasn't fantastic uh, again, um, but hey, we got the we got the five points in the end. Yeah, what what we'll, we'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll come back to you and we'll do we'll do both your asses at the end, so to speak. Um, are we? Uh, Rory suggested um, this morning, helpfully, that we do the play. We haven't done player ratings on the blog, so we do it live on the podcast. So I've I've done them. Um, so we'll go through them, and then you can just say whether or not you disagree with me or not. Um, we'll do the normal thing. We'll go from the back. Stuart Hogg, I get seven. He seemed quite industrious. Decent kicks from hands. Well deserved try. Um, the only thing is he, he seems a bit less prone to forcing things, which is good when the rest of the team are playing well. But I kind of, it kind of felt like it needed him to force things a little bit. Is that a fair score? Do you think Brody seven for Hoggy? Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I looked at the stats, the overall team stats for Scotland, and actually Hoggy has the most missed tackles of any Scottish player in the tournament with eleven. Um, which kind of backs up that theory about him being a slight liability in defence. Um, but he's still far and away 
our most exciting player. And actually, when our backs are against the wall against Italy, you're looking around the team and going, who's going to lift this? Who's going to do something? And he's one of those players. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. You know, for Tommy Seymour, I've gone 5.5. Um, he tried, to, attempted two tackles and missed two tackles, according to the stats. Um, he had a couple of decent runs, but didn't really come off his wing looking for work. Um, it sort of felt a bit more like a game that it might be worth throwing Kinghorn on for, Ian. Yeah, I think maybe because Seymour hasn't really hit the standards of last season. Maybe he's tired from the Lions. Um, thought maybe they were just trying to get him, play him back into a bit of form, thinking, all right, Italy, this is, uh, you know, if there's one team that we should beat, it will be Italy, so we'll, we'll shock him in. Um, I'd say a 5.5s. Yeah, I, I was going to go, I think I'd, and I haven't written them down, but in my head, I think I'd given him a five. Um, he didn't do a great deal, but again, he wasn't the, like you said, there was a couple of, there was a good run uh, for the first try down the left wing. Um, but apart from that, he didn't, didn't really get a lot of work, didn't get a lot of ball to work with. No, no, I Needed think that's... Needed to see ball. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, what I've got actually, Cammy, is um, uh, our friends over at the offside line have done a player ratings article. So I've got Barney's um, figures here, and he's gone seven for Hogg, and he's gone six for Tommy Seymour. So I, I can. That's fair. I mean, that's a good way to do it. Enough. We can compare ours with theirs. I mean, I, I, I'm going to explain why I've gone five point five for Seymour in a minute when we get on to Maitland. Well, I'll talk about Maitland now. I've, I've given Maitland a six, and I did yeah, when that's... I gave Maitland a six. I didn't feel like I could give Seymour a six as well. Because I thought Maitland had a better game, not just because he scored the try. He just seemed to be looking for a lot more work. He made more tackles, but I didn't. I thought five was probably a bit harsh for Seymour. There was that scary moment with Maitland, the sort of half charge down kick. I think that's maybe the only blot on his copybook. But um, yeah, yeah, and I'd say a six or a six and a half. I would go on with. Yeah, offside line have gone with a six. So. I think we're probably they just sounded defence and took his try well was the comment around Maitland. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, I think he he was, um, yeah, he's been he's pretty. I mean, we'll, we'll cover this next week when we do the review, but he's been pretty solid all all seat. Um, it's probably one of his better campaigns in a Scotland shirt, I think. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. Um, Hugh Jones, five. Ooh. I went five. I thought he. I mean, he was at fault for the first try. Um, I think he probably needs to. What he probably, Hugh Jones probably needs to do is is just learn to take the ball into contact a little bit more, rather than constantly trying to jink and run around uh, people because he got seemed to sort of get caught and turned over a couple of times just by looking for gaps that weren't there. Um, yeah, there was an early offload he tried as well to Nell, which was never on. Yeah. Uh, that kind of set the tone. Yeah, he just seemed to be looking... I think it was that offload, actually, I was I was thinking about when I wrote that, was when he just looked for all the world like he was just trying to run away from all the Italian players rather than just actually taking it into contact and letting the ball get recycled. Um, but five, I mean, five, I didn't really feel like I could give him a four. I thought he did enough. But, yeah. What did offside line do, Brody? Uh, they've gone for a six, which I think is quite generous. Mm, that is quite uh... generous. One yeah. to forget, poor ball management and badly caught out for Tommaso Allen's first try. Um, I think six quite generous doesn't really reflect the comments either. I've got a bit of a theory about Hugh Jones. I mean, he had an, a great game against England, but I was thinking about this, and actually the way England play is they tend to smash it up the middle and then fan mm. out. So 
they're quite weak to the counter-attack through the centres. Um, and you saw that with uh, with Ireland. And I just, you know, that game kind of played to Hugh Jones's strengths a bit. Um, but whereas on Saturday, he was under pressure constantly. Um, yeah. And his decision-making and skills under pressure can sometimes let him down. But he is young. Um, and I think he's a very exciting player. But uh, Saturday wasn't a good game for him. No, I think I think you're probably right. I think it's that thing if he he needs to learn what to do in those tighter games where there isn't the space that he's either used to or the space that he enjoys, and just get used to the fact that in some games games he's going to get on the end of a ball and he's not going to run the length of the pitch every game and score score those sorts of tries. Um, I, I I mean it'd be interesting to see what other scores the guys at the offside line. Um, Give. I think there's a tem- there's this thing we've talked about before with the difficulty of doing ratings is that if you look at the Scotsman are particularly bad for doing it in the Guardian as well is nobody gets below a six unless you've had a horror game and it just everyone just gets six and sevens. Yeah, middle um, ground kind of stuff. Mind you, the Guardian was probably like Brian Seymour and John Hogg, <laughs> Sean Fitzpatrick the, on the wing, and yeah, the um, the BBC. Uh, Although their article was fine, but if you just went to the live score, they had Matt Fagerson playing at 18. Oh, that's good. 18, yeah. 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 <laughs> he, he was a tight uh, head prop, yeah. Um, Nick Grigger went seven. I thought he was. He thought he had a really good game. thought he shows he's capable of playing at that level. Very strong in defence. So he made some really, really good yards with the ball in hand. Yeah, offside line have gone with a seven as well. Does what he does, running hard, tight lines. I think I think what does what he does sounds like a little bit like a backhanded compliment. Did what he um, does, sorry as well. Oh, good what he does. I thought he said does what he did does. Did what but, no, he does. Did what he does. He runs some really, really nice lines. He cuts some decent angles as well. Um, there's a great picture of him sort of fending off Parisi. And I think I put it on Twitter saying, you know, Sergio Parisi is six foot five and 18 stone. Nick Grigg is five foot nine and 14 stone. Nick Grigg has far more strength. Sergio Parisi does not. <laughs> Sergio Perusso did not have a good game. He was looking his age on Saturday. Yeah, uh, he he blew quite a good chance for a uh, for another Italy try. Yeah. Um, second half. I think yeah. Somebody was saying he just looks. It's just sad watching him now. I think did he try? Did he attempt to kick in the one of the last minutes of the game as well? Possibly. It was his hundredth defeat for Italy. He just looked like a bit of a sort of broken man. You know, it's oh. like he's done his time. <laughs> just uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he might have a renaissance you never know but yeah I doubt it uh, let's see who we've got next uh, we've done Maitland um, do, do, do. Uh, Finn Russell I went for six nothing flashy but struggled to impose himself on the game it was quite nice to see him not force things too much um, what, I know there was two even? kicks out I'd maybe go with a five because there was two kicks out in the full one gave away a good few yards of territory when we were trying to get back in the game um, like you said there was nothing flashy um, maybe it's because of the service he was getting but I don't know, I'd say a five because he was average again this comes down to the whole you know six five six seven so six, you five, six, think, six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brody what what have we got our offside line uh, they've gone for a six on the, on Finn Russell. Um, there's a load of stuff about his bad kicking, which Ian's already alluded to. But they say at the end, no buzz and failed to control the game when it was beginning to move away from Scotland, which I think is pretty accurate. Yeah, I've got a good question for you both. How do you how do you do a head impact assessment assessment on Finn Russell? 
ask him who um, who recorded the song Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have? If you're really interested, don't they do? They, all the players do a baseline test, don't they? I'd love to see what his baseline results were. Yeah. <laughs> can we? Can it's we send them back? And stuff, isn't it? It's mathematics yeah. and kind of doing the alphabet backwards and stuff. Yeah, be like, can we send Finn back for his baseline test just to check because he seems like he's already concussed. <laughs> Um, it's just like a bar order that he has to remember, you know. <laughs> Three Jaeger bombs, a bottle of Grolsch for Grieg. <laughs> um, yeah, Grieg Laidlaw, I've gone for... He, sorry, so, the most turned over player in the whole Six Nations. Yeah, was it nine in total? Fourteen. Fourteen, Fourteen. It probably just goes to show how he's getting targeted, I think, if people know... Yeah. Uh, He's a bit more of a. I mean, that's probably again something um, we'd cover in the Six Nations reviews. He's he's probably more. People know what he's about now. He's been around a couple of seasons. People know what he can do, so they're maybe just trying to put him under a bit more pressure. But there again, his pass against England is in a lot of people's top moment of the Six Nations, you know. So yeah, but mind you, Jones is in people's squads of the Six Nations, and I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have necessarily put him there. It seems like a bit of a hipster's choice. Just, oh, yeah. he's a new guy. We'll pick him to make us look cool. Yeah. Um, Greg Laidlaw, seven. I thought he controlled the game quite well. And just I seven for that kick at the end because that's not an easy kick to make. Yeah, I'll sideline concur with that view. Yep. Ian, what do you think? Uh, I'd go there or thereabouts. I didn't think he was... I don't think he was back to the sort of slow, ponderous laid law that we all know and hated. Um, but I, I thought he was a little bit slow to getting getting there at the breakdown. Um, it may have been just because we were getting blasted off the ball by the Italian back row to begin with. But um, no, but when he moved to when Price came on, I thought uh, he really added a bit of zip and laid law moving out. I think that helped. Um, but again, as well, you know, the the dead eye of laid law that's you know, got us over the end. Yeah. Um, then forwards, Ryan Wilson five. I mean, he, I'm coming round to Ryan Wilson a little bit. I think he's good when he's good. Um, it was an all right game. I think I've just given him a five because he slipped off a tackle on little, little Ian for the score. Yeah, that's exactly what offside line have said, but they give him a six. They give him a six? Yeah. Oh, no, you've got to, I think you've, for a missed tackle like that, you've got to go be five or lower at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have Jones again? Was Jones a five or a six? Hughes, Jones, uh, Hugh Jones six. is a five. No, jo- Jones. Sorry, I give. Like they give him a six. I give him a five. Yeah, well, so, he he cost a try as well, so I think they should have knocked him down to a five. If, although yeah. he, they give him a six, yeah. So. Uh, Hamish Watson, another hipster's choice um, in everyone's. Um, teams of the tournament so far I've gone with seven thought he was very strong in the tackle and the breakdown um I actually thought he carried quite well when you look at his stats so he didn't he didn't really he did that normal Hamish Watson thing of he carried seemed to beat about 20 people but didn't actually make any meters yeah did the old pinball effect going sideways off the tackles but um not really getting forward but I'd say seven's pretty pretty fair for him I thought he'd um Terrific work rate, as per usual, and like you said, getting when he, when we did start to get a little bit parity at the breakdown, uh, he was the sort of commander in chief at that. Yeah, he was also quick to get that pass away for um, the the first Space Scotland try. try. He yeah, he saw it and 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 threw. I mean, it was it was a, a fin like pass, 
um, wasn't that the it wasn't it didn't leave the hands in the most cleanest of ways, but it was a lovely looping pass. Um, it'd be good to see him add kicking to his game as well. I think Making... I think he's got the hardest head in rugby. Yeah, if you look at the way he takes it into contact and the way he tackles and the way he gets pretty much wrecked around the skull a lot, he's just got like there's some boxers who just have a granite jaw you know they just never get knocked out and he's like that he's just naturally got i don't know whatever uh, a resilience to blows to the head which was admittedly wasn't that is a niche Bal- skill in life <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that rocky balboa's like usp in the first yeah. rocky film that he could just yeah. he just you could, he would keep getting hit and you couldn't knock him down yeah that's and another that's nickname much. for him balboa <laughs> Pinball Balboa. Pinball Balboa. It's a strong one. Um, You've got six of the off-left sideline, which... Um, oh, that's not... F- no, I disagree with that. Anyway, yeah, I think I, it was... Yeah, it was an above... If Well, I suppose our average... We, we start our average at six, so it was an above-average performance, therefore seven felt fair. Um, Barkley... Um, Brody said earlier he had a good game. I, th- I thought seven. He was a nuisance at the breakdown. The only um, reason I probably marked him down for an eight um, was I thought again Scotland sort of lacked that plan B or the ability to sort of adapt to what Italy were doing yeah I mean offside line have given him a 6 which I disagree with I think he did better than that um, I think he kind of was quite instrumental in keeping it in the forwards and sort of instilling that belief in the pack to be able to, to grind this out and grind it out they had to at times um, you know he was Scotland got bullied at the at the breakdown um, and he mm. again was our kind of only sort of answer to that um, and he scored a try so you know great that's always worth that's always I, I think scoring a try is always worth an extra point Ian yeah unless you've been sort of terrible the rest of the time and it's put on a plate for you it's uh, worth Fraser Brown. a point yeah <laughs> I thought he was alright actually we'll get to him later but, um, we'll get to yeah, him in a minute yeah seven, 7 for Barkley I think is about right um, yeah I'd go with that yeah, so a couple uh, of little mistakes, but yeah, there's nothing too serious. Um, Johnny Gray, stat boy, um, le garçon statistique. <laughs> What's that in Italian? Probably wrong. Does it? <laughs> what, what, it what is crap it? French, actually, but. Signore statistical. Oh, that'll do, Signore statistical. Um, I, I went with six. I thought he's really strong in defence. First player in the history of Six Nations to make 100 tackles in the tournament by some way as well. I think it was Joe Launchbury two years ago got 85. Um, but he's he's gone backwards, I think, in attack. He carried really well in the autumn. He was using his, his height and his weight really well with ball in hand, but he's just gone back to that thing of just you know hitting the first tackler and flopping to the floor. Yeah, because he does seem to have a lot of carries, but not a lot of metres. Um, but again, that tackle rate—I'd maybe give him a seven um, for yeah. that alone. Brody. He's got six in the offside line. Um, I mean, they used to call Serge Betson La Secateur, didn't they? Because he was just basically just to cut people down like a sickle or a threshing machine or whatever. And that's great, but Serge Betson was also quite good in attack. Um, mm. And I, I think uh, you know, Statboy is just kind of—I hate to use the word one-trick pony, but he's kind of. You know the lineout options good. The um, you know his bulk in the scrums good, and his tackling's good. But I think to be truly world class, I mean 
you know, Lions sort of standard, he needs to add some kind of go forward to his game. Yeah, or he needs someone next to him when playing for Scotland. I mean, I think you're right, I don't think he's going to get in a Lions shirt unless he adds that to his game. But if from a Scotland point of view, I think he probably needs someone a bit more dynamic alongside him in second row. Um, I'm not sure that's Tim Swinson, to be fair. Um, uh, I gave we'll him a six. Grant Go, this 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 Six Nations, I think Grant Gilchrist is the answer to the question: um, Who do you play alongside Johnny Gray? But he's was he in? Is he injured or did he just not get picked? Did he get dropped after yeah. Ireland? Get dropped after Ireland. Um, yeah, um, I gave Swinson a six. I thought his hand, I thought good hands. He you know he put himself about a bit, but I don't. I think he offers more from the bench in terms of his versatility. Play back row. I don't think he necessarily is. First choice, Ian. Nah, probably, you're, probably, Glasgow, you're Glasgow, but yeah. Yeah, I'd say he's probably the fourth or fifth choice lock. Um, the versatility is obviously a, a bonus coming off the bench. He did do had one sort of big intervention towards the end of the first half when Italy were camped on our lane, and he'd uh, he helped. He was part of the, the crew that held them up. Um, mm. But yeah, he didn't didn't seem to offer a lot going forward either. Um, but again, I suppose we were kind of starved a ball in that during that period he was on. Yeah, um, and then the front row all all hooked at half time, like some sort yep. of the, like a comedy Greg Greg Town Greg Townsend's comedy crook, just <laughs> dragging them all off. Um, Nella went with five. Um, I thought he was partially probably to blame for um, the first two tries. I think the the Hugh Jones one he sort of put Jones in that position. Um, if I haven't to sort of think twice before Alan stepped him, and then um, the gap for the Tommaso, I'll get his name right, Tommaso Allen grubber kick, uh, that was Nell that had left that gap. So I didn't, yeah, well, I don't, I don't think that was classic WP that game. Bad game, bad game for WP. Um, he got a five and offside line, um, which I think is probably about right. I'd have maybe gone 4.5 because the scrum was all over the place as well for yeah. the first wee while. Um, you know, it's possibly not his fault. He's been parachuted in. Needs some game time, clearly. Um, I don't. I wouldn't write him off. I still think he's world-class when he's on his game. But, you know, maybe just keeping Bergen in would have been uh, a more solid um, decision there. But Yeah. Um, Fraser Brown, uh, Ian, I went with seven... I thought he was unlucky to be hooked half time. I thought he was really good at the breakdown. A couple of wobbles at the lineup, but given what happened to McAnally against Ireland, maybe shows that it's not it's not the hooker's fault. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not always just the hooker's fault, but the looks of it. Um, no, I'd, I'd say a six and a half or a seven. Uh, he won the first turnover, and there was there's a couple of times I thought maybe Pascal Gazer maybe didn't do him any favours, um, but he managed yeah. to slow the Italian ball down. Um, uh, apart from two missed lineouts, he got got himself a try. Uh, no, I thought he was pretty good, but again, he's one that's just coming back from um, from a, a long spell on the sidelines. Yeah, Brody, what what have we? How how are we comparing with offside line on him? Uh, he got six from them. Fair. Um, struggled in the early lineouts, though it might not have been totally his fault. Got stuck in about the field, flopped over for Scotland's first try. Yeah, I think flopped over is probably a bit harsh. I think he probably spotted the the um, the space. Probably, I would yeah, guess. I mean, uh, there's Scotland players were queuing up for that pass, but yeah, <laughs> you know, he did manage to catch it and and get over the line, which is um, all you would expect of a person who does that for a living to be able to do. 
Um, I'm not a huge fan of Fraser Brown. I'm yet to be convinced. Um, I still think McAnally is um, way ahead of him in terms of what he offers around the park. Um, When I look at Fraser Brown on Saturday, he's throwing into two Glasgow colleagues in the line out. Um, That should have been going smoother. Yeah. Um, But, you know, again, Stuart McAnally. McAnally wasn't great the previous week either. So, you know, um, but it's just me. I'm yet to be convinced by him. Um, Gordy Reid, who um, I forgot was playing until 20 minutes in, uh, so I gave him a five. He got a five in offside line as well, kept the scrum reasonably firm, but was otherwise comparatively invisible, which uh, kind of <laughs> concurs with your view there, Cameron. Yeah. I think the first time I saw him, he was getting involved in handbags. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, who's starting at Oh, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll do the subs then. Uh, McAnally, a six, thought he had a decent showing. The lineout seemed to do better um, when he came on, but I don't know if that's just the rest of them have got their act together. Yeah, I'd maybe bump that up. Um, I thought he had a couple of good good carries as well. Maybe a six Offside and a half. line. I've done that thing where everybody on the bench gets a five kind of thing. Oh, um, don't, we, yeah, start, yeah. always start at a six. But you know, the comments here he said um, McAnally five, probably still ahead of Brown in pecking order on current form. Yeah, Fair enough, we still got big. We still, still got big bad Ross Ford to come back as well. Yes, <laughs> just in time for the summer to get a couple more tries on him. Um, Jamie Batty again, and I, I've probably actually have I done have I done an offside line thing? I've probably gone with I've got a lot of sixes here. To be fair, um, Jamie Batty a six. Thought he did ran well with the ball in hand. The scrum seemed to shore up a bit. He's got Same a five on offside line. Uh, didn't five. bring much to the party is the only comment there. Um, I still think Foot and Mouth is the best nickname for Jamie Batty as he's responsible <laughs> for more deaths than that disease amongst the bovine community. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yet to We've, catch on. It is yet to catch on, although he is aware of it. <laughs> Jamie Foot and Mouth Batty. Okay, yeah, he is aware of it and... and... Um, whilst not fully endorsing it, um, I think was was not upset. <laughs> did you, did you get him so, on, the, on the Twitter sphere? Did, did I believe, yeah, I believe he got in touch with. Um, I think he got in touch with uh, Rory through the Scott Rugby blog one, and Rory sent him a wee message, and it got a thumbs up and a a crying laughing emoji. Um, <laughs> Xander um, Xander Ferguson um, six. Um, it keeps getting involved in the afters, and given that we're trying to play a quick game, he just he he needs to stop. It's great, Xander, you know, wanting to get in from. Square goes Fagerson <laughs> with his scrum cap and his angry face. Bless. Yes. <laughs> just, just, just pretending to be angry all the time, even though he's clearly not. He's not. Is he? he's going to cry? I know he's got the face of a five-year-old toddler. Bless him. <laughs> Looks like he should be a prop. <laughs> it's the scrum cap though. He looks normal. Thing is, is without the scrum, scrum cap, cap, he looks normal. <laughs> the scrum <laughs> cap, he looks like five years old. It's just that. <laughs> it's just that kind of squashed face, isn't it? I know he looks like a very angry. To- he looks like he looks like the sort of the angry kids in the corner of my my daughter's nursery when I go to pick her up. <laughs> so things sure corner. not their parents come to rescue them from the yeah. uh, from the hell that is nursery. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Stop the handbags, Xander. Um, Richie Gray, um, I would like to have seen him start. Um, I, he drove them all quite well when he came on. Um, it's quite hard to spot him now because he's 
he's gone gone all natural with a hair colour. Yeah. I didn't realise he was on for a bit, and then I thought, oh, there's Johnny in the middle of the... And I was like, no, that's not Johnny. His hair's longer, and he looks a bit different. He got a five on offside line, uh, simply says, little impact. Oh, I thought he did really well. In the mall. I thought he did quite well in the mall. I think that's unfair. But Ian? Uh, yeah, I'd maybe go with five and a half or a six. He didn't do a lot really with the ball, but um, like you said, he set up the malls quite well. And also having a guy who's six foot nine, six foot ten in the line out, that's always handy. Yeah. I, I think um, his presence was felt in the tiring Italian pack, you know. Yeah. I think he I was think pushing them around fair. and sort of imposing his physical um, attributes on the game. Yeah, um, David Denton, um, ignoring the hair of six with the hair four. Um, I don't, I don't, he's not anywhere near um, his World Cup form that got him that sort of shock move to the Premiership. Um, it might be the hair, I'm guessing. Um, but he's. I think we've. he's not the ball-carrying eight that we need, I think, is we've, we've discovered... Well, he got more... Did he get more points than anyone off, off the bench on the offside line? No, Ali Price got a six as well. But he got a six and just tightened things up, apparently. Um, I wasn't hugely impressed with him. He, no. um, but then, you know, maybe similar to Richie Gray, his physicality was just there to kind of give the uh, Italians um, some something else to deal with in the last 20 minutes or the last however long they came on for. Yeah, Um Ali Price, Ian, I've gone with a five. Um, and my reason, I'll make my reason clear in a minute. I mean, I think he added some speed to the attack, but he gets a five because of the almost Boxy-esque um, final kick of the match, which only just <laughs> <Yeah>. to touch. <laughs> <laughs> you can see he's like Sean Maitland scrambling towards it like an NBA tip-off. Just go on, go, go. Um, <laughs> yeah, he got there in the end. Um, but no, I thought he'd, he added a real lot of zip to the game. Um his passing was a lot flatter and sharper and you know against the, the tiring Italians he was able to squeeze around the edges a few times I'd, I'd maybe give him a 6 yeah um, Brody you said they gave they gave him a 7 he got a 6 yeah he got a 6 so we're, we're which about is their on. 7 if we're working yeah 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 they didn't they, they've not marked, marked anything off for that terrible final clearance kick no no just brought a bit of spark to the game is all that's been said yeah. which is fair enough he did do that um Lastly, uh, Pete Horn. I thought I've given him a seven. I thought he came on and sort of grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. Did quite well. Sort of offered another option at ten when Laidlaw had to shift there. Ian's I up. like Pete Horn. I think he's done yeah. really well. Yeah, he yeah, still looks like that. he's. He still looks like he's. He's just seen a ghost. He's <laughs> slightly terrified, isn't he? Um, yeah. They've only given him a five on offside line, but I've said looked good in the comments. So, you know, I, I think he was worth a seven. Um, I think he's had a very good tournament, uh, possibly one of our most, I'd say, improved players because he was always a good player. But I think he's kind of fitting, adapted best to this structure, if you like. Yeah. Ian? Yeah. Um, yeah, he seems to sort of work well as that sort of secondary playmaker, um, either working off Russell, um, as he did against England, um, or coming on, working off Laidlaw, uh, or also sometimes swiping over with Laidlaw, so he was first receiver. I uh, also think his defensive work um, has been been pretty good, uh, good standard of this, uh, this campaign. Um, I think he put in a couple of decent tackles against Italy there, um, and against Ireland he made 19, which is remarkable for a for an inside centre. Yeah. Um, 
we we need to do your asses now, so to speak. Um, we'll we'll end on a we'll end on a low note. Um, go on then. Uh, what was your ass, Ian, from that match? Um, the failure in execution. Uh, too many hand on errors, um, as we've seen on, on a few occasions, um, and the amount of time it took us to to react. Um, to the Italians sort of blasting us off the ball. Uh, we just we had to wait for them to get knackered really before we, we got ourselves back into it. But got ourselves back into it, we did. Yeah, and Brody or us? It's just a bad performance. Um, you know, it was borderline awful. It reminded me of Fiji last summer. Um, you know, just that kind of, oh, this is just a tick box game. We don't need to raise for this. Let's not get too overexcited about this. And just taking a revolver, pointing it squarely at our foot and pulling the trigger again and again and again, particularly in the first half. It was just bad rugby. And really, at times, you're looking at it and you're going, if that hadn't been Italy, no offence to Italy because they played exceptionally well, but if that hadn't been Italy, if that had been someone else, we'd have been out of that game by half time, gone, finished, you know, another Wales. Um, and it just concerns me about that level of inconsistency we bring to it. You wonder. I mean, you mentioned Wales there, and you wonder there is that that suggestion that that we Scotland don't cope well with a being the underdogs, and b having a team like Italy who, you know, are up for it. I mean, Scotland is the game that they will target every year, and we maybe fail to deal with that. We maybe I don't know whether it's something psychological or whether it's it's a coaching thing that we can't deal with the the sort of positive pressure of being the perceived sort of you know perceived to be going into games with the upper hand Ian yeah we don't know what to do we do not know what to do when we're favorites when we're expected to win and a team chuck the ball at us and go come on then let's see what you've got we kind of go quick let's (laughs) throw a forward pass (laughs) (laughs) you know I don't know it's just it's 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 a strange psychological problem yeah, I think this, it's, it wasn't the full tombola, but you know those those changes I mentioned earlier, um, like Brown, Nell, Swinson, guys and guys who haven't played a lot, or or Greg, who's just sort of new to the well. But was that, was that his fourth cap? Wasn't it? I think. Um, um, he played for he played in Fiji. He came on against England. That'd be his fourth England. cap, I because yeah, yeah. Then he came on Italy uh, against Ireland as well. Yeah. Uh, so many think... caps Fraser Brown has got. Fraser go Brown. 20. 26. I um, would say 32. 41. Really? 41. Yeah. When did that happen? Did I miss it? Was that, was that Ross Ford's fault? <laughs> <laughs> just on the bench constantly for 40. I just missed all that. There was, a, I think, well, he must have come along. Jimmy George to Ross Ford, still in Hartley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was, there was that period where Ross Ford constantly played because the other only other option was Scott Lawson. <laughs> Dougie Hall, don't forget Dougie Hall. Do of course Dougie Hall, yeah, yeah. Um, no, when uh, have you got access to? Are you looking at this now, Brody? When was when was Fraser Brown's first cap? I don't know. No, I just uh, I think they mentioned it during the game, and I was like, hey, forty-one caps. Um, I think he's a bit older than I think he is as well. I think he's about 28, 29, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, I still think of him as young. It's because anyway. like, Glasgow seem to have the three hookers on rotation for the last few yeah. years. So Hall, um, MacArthur and Brown. And none of them sort of cemented their place as the first choice. Yeah. 
Um, Fraser Brown's first cap was against Italy in 2013. I'm just trying to see. I think that must be been under Scott Johnson then. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I've forgotten, so, Scott... uh, forgotten slash airbrushed the fact that he was Scotland coach out of my memory. Do you know what? It'll be that South African. Uh, the uh, summer tour. There was a tournament in South Africa where he played Samoa, ah, Italy. Ah, that's it. That'll be it. Free, it's that one where he played. Yeah, you're right. It's June 2013. Uh, so that was the one where... Did we lose to Italy that game? No, we won the last minute with Ali Strokosh, I think, going over. That's but it, it yeah. Close. That was the... What was it? The triumphant tournament? Or the quadrangle tournament or something? Yeah, it? that was it. Yeah, because we got beat off Samoa in the first game. Uh, did pretty well against South Africa, but still lost out. I think Hamilton got red carded. Oh um, yeah! Surprise! Yeah. Surprise! 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 <laughs> Did he hit someone with his massive shovel hands? Uh, yeah, thirteen. Oh, I've got very small writing on the Scottish Rugby uh, website. It was uh, twenty-nine thirty. That's right. We lost to Samoa twenty-seven seventeen. Uh, lost to South Africa thirty seventeen. But that was quite a close game. I seem to remember. And um, yeah, Italy. We beat Italy um, 20, uh, 30 29. Well, the Samoa game was Pete Horn's debut, and I remember one of his first acts of the game was to get absolutely flattened by Alisana to Lange <laughs> as, uh, as he went charging over for a try. You got to guess who who who, who do you think played um, played fly half for Scotland uh, in that game? Dan Parks. Greg. <laughs> um, no, Tom Heathcote. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Pete Murchie was playing as well. On sub, yeah, yeah Fraser Brown. There we go. Um, so yeah, Scotland came last in that tournament. That's um, let's let's do this now. We'll move on. We'll do our last bit. We I didn't think we'd have much to talk about this week, but we're already at the hour mark. Let's um, let's Wait. get on. Do this. Yeah, it's time for Hands in the Ruck or any other business section of the podcast. Um, we are going to look back at the Fantasy League um, next week. Um, out of interest, Brody, how did you get on? 162nd out of 206. <laughs> and, and, and Ian? <laughs> um, I finished 84th. However, I forgot to change my team last week, so I left CJ Stander on the bench. Um, oh. I also had... Tommy Allen on the bench, but to be honest, I don't think I would have started him over Finn Russell. Um, no. But well, I, I done well done to anyone. Well done to anyone that started thirty-five points for Tommy Allen. Well done to anybody that um, picked him. Um, Eighty-fourth, though. Oof. Um, yeah. Uh, so next, fall we're gonna, from grace. <laughs> we're we're going to have a bit more uh, detailed look at that in our um, full Six Nations roundup. Um, Hands in the Ruck, um, we have had um, a late Hands in the Ruck from Rory, um, editor of the blog, um, who messaged me tonight to say that he is upset that everybody's getting excited um, about the Ring Rose try versus England because there was a knock-on by Rob Carney. Um, so um, Rory is, um, that's what's, that's what, in, that those are the hands that are in Rory's Ruck, Um I've had a couple of shouts. I had one. I had two from my dad on Friday night after he had a couple of glasses of wine. 
Um, he uh, is still unhappy at being charged £10 in the late 90s for parking on the back pitches at Murrayfield. Um, <laughs> he drove the car. And we were recounting this how he drove into the car park. Uh, the guy told him it was £10. He tried to turn around, but there was no way out. He wrote an angry letter to the SRU because there was no email in the late 90s um, and never got a reply. So that's that's... That's, a, him 20 years that's a lawyers for you kind of uh, claims for you style uh, thing there. Oh, by the way, while we're on the uh, subject of the late 90s, I found a program the other day from a 1999 Australia against Scotland game at Murrayfield, and it's got a fabulous section about uh, the new SRU website and email and all the W's and all that sort of stuff. It's it's great. It's <laughs> is, it, is it one of those things like www.scotland-rugby-jock.co.uk slash geocities? Exactly. But there's all this stuff about surfing the internet, and it's just... it's priceless anyway uh, i shall read hey, it out there's another bit in it about the advent of professionalism as well which is uh laughably kind of uh, naive <laughs> um my dad also had a genuine one which was um the siu's decision not to schedule club fixtures uh during the international window um he thinks that clubs should just be able to get ahead or go ahead and play games if they want to um seems yeah. fair enough um, fl- flip side of that was Andy Render on Twitter who said his hands in the ruck was having a club 15 international the night before the final round of premiership games mm, that's actually my hand in the, hands in the ruck or uh, related subject go on then you go with yours uh, well mine's actually about the allocation of professional players to clubs um, mm-hmm. and without wishing to pick on Hoyk on Friday night they had Darcy Graham and Alan Dell in their team um, against Melrose, uh, and this is Melrose missing seven players and their head coach away with the club, um, the club 15. So Hoyk basically had to win this game to stay in the league. Um, Darcy Graham set up two tries. Allendale scored two tries, and uh, yeah, they beat Melrose quite handsomely. I can't remember the score, 31-something, 31-10. Uh, did I write 15. it down because I was doing it for... Um... Matt Landell's retirement. Uh, it, ooh, I didn't write the score down. Nope. No, but they, they won fairly comfortably, and yeah. uh, by all accounts, a very good performance and well deserved, and all the rest of it. But I was looking at how the pro players were allocated this season to to Prem One, and it basically looks like this: there was twenty five appearances by pro players for Glasgow Hawk and, Ster- and Sterling County. Glasgow Hawks are in the playoffs for relegation. Mar got 20 players. They were relegated. Um, Sterling County came third from bottom, fourth from bottom. Um, mm. So basically the, the point I'm making is that it doesn't seem to be the amount of pro players for the lower teams is particularly helping matters. Um, so it's always been a sort of bit of a mystery as to how they allocate these and why why Curry are um, under Glasgow's allocation and not Edinburgh's allocation, uh, or certainly used to be. And I just think there perhaps needs to be a look at it more in the sense of the um, American football kind of draft thing, where the lowest ranked team gets, I know they get the first pick in the draft, if you like, but I think they should maybe get more players or you know, something like that. Because if you look at the two teams that may come up this year, you're talking about Edinburgh Ackies and Jed. Both will need significant investment to be able to work at 
the level of Prem 1 in order to stay there. Um, and you kind of think the SRU could help that matter by allocating more pro players to them or consistent coaching support or whatever's needed. Anyway, I just think it strikes me as being quite unfair, and that came under the magnifying glass on Friday night. And, I, you know, I understand Hoyk haven't had um, a great deal of, of benefit from pro, pro players this year. In fact, Melrose have had more than them. But still, it just the whole thing's a bit of a guddle. Yeah. It's a bit of a lottery as to who you get and then who gets picked for the pro teams, I guess, as well. I mean, Hoyk had John Hardy for five minutes before he did that John Hardy thing of being injured almost instantly. Yeah, 13 <laughs> minutes and then put his teeth through his lip. Yeah, um, Yeah. no, I think you're probably right. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the um, Super 6, if that happens, Super 6 comes along, well, quiet, how that works it? out. <laughs> Gone very quiet on the Super 6 front. <laughs> because there were six applications. <laughs> yeah. all, all of them from Melrose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we've had another one um, off Twitter. Um, Peebles Elbow said his hands in the ruck was constantly being told that Tommy Allen played for the under-20s during the match. Yes, um, yeah. yes, yes. The other one was the two ga- the two lads from Gloucester, or one lad from Gloucester, and the fact oh, that he worked yeah. in a subway. Yeah. I, 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 think, I can't remember how many times I had to hear about him working in a subway during the match. Yep, heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. I was hungry by half-time because he kept in the subway. Yeah, as well as the Tommy Allen played for under-20s, at one point, I'm sure they also mentioned he was educated and Henley it's like yeah but he they did yeah teams, and he could so, have played yeah. for South Africa there yes. was a bit though who was well, the bizarrely, bizarrely no mention of foot and mouth working in a slaughterhouse that's obviously <laughs> yesterday's news now you know you it's just not some meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. kind of a whole there supply a... chain there there um there was a bit where I, th- I caught on the on the rest it was Pascal Gauzez Gauzez refereeing was it yeah yeah there was a bit where I think he was talking to um, Tommaso Allen, where he said, "I think he said to him, you score against your own countrymen.' No, <laughs> well, he was lining up for the kick after his try. Whether you're from the same country as them or something like that, it's worth it's worth listening back because I couldn't work out what what he said. Shoot the traitor! <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got Bruce McConaughey on uh, Twitter who said his hands in the ruck was English pundits moaning about the way the breakdown was re- is refereed despite the fact that breakdown laws were changed last year to appease England after they were mugged by Italy at Ruckgate <laughs> <laughs> or um, um, Brian Moore moaning about the uh, foreign TV's um, camera angles and not showing replays so he could be right <laughs> about things <laughs> did you see all um, that? no the other week, thing is, he was he was his column this week was also um, sort of saying that the game in England's being ruined by the way that the um, the breakdowns being refereed. Which the inference from that is it's the Pro 14's fault. Yeah, says. Um, we had another late one as well. Um, if I can find it, um, it was Ken Taylor. Um, just through this, literally hot off the press tonight before coming on air. Uh, his hands in the ruck is again England pundits. And players saying it's been a wake-up call as though they were beaten by, and then he did a swear, teams. And it came as a surprise rather than that there are teams who are good or better than them. And now Danny Kerr says he's not sure if what Scotland were doing was entirely legal. And then yeah, he's, he's also he's done a swear about that. Um, and Chris Jones and Owen Barnes operating in different sports. Um, Danny Kerr said we should have been a bit more illegal. And it goes on, best try in Six Nations 
Ugo uh, is Maitland v England. Care is that the one where there was a clear neck roll on Farrell? <laughs> on another day, we intercept Russell's pass and we win the game. And then Ken's done another swear. Uh, so yeah, Ken, Ken, not best pleased with uh, Danny Kerr and Ugo Monia. Um So um, if you're not impressed with Danny Kerr and Ugo, Ugo Monia, then all you have to do is turn off their podcasts and listen to ours, which is uh, infinitely better. Um, we'll maybe cover a bit more of the aftermath of uh, England's um, sort of toys out the pram reaction to um, them losing um, or coming fifth. Kick them out of the Six Nations, that's what I say. Bring in Georgia. Um the next one we had was Scott Beatty again on Twitter who said his hands in the rucks was the Spain-Romania-Belgium referee shambles. Uh, Ian, have you caught yes. up with this? Yes, indeed I have. This was my hands in the ruck as well, although um, if you were wearing a Belgium shirt, the referee wouldn't have noticed it. Um, there's, it's, I've seen there's a YouTube video by a guy called The Scottish Cannon, who's a, a referee. He's compiled a, a sort of 15-minute video of uh, various moments where there's the laws aren't being applied properly, um, and some of them are absolutely disgraceful. There's one moment, you, you know, we, we've moaned about the uh, the advantage law a few times. Um, yeah. I think this one takes really takes a biscuit. Uh, three minutes, Belgium had the ball. They moved it about 35, 40 metres up the pitch, and then once they lose possession, oh, we'll go back for that penalty advantage back there, shall we? And then once they took the uh, the kick to touch, it was actually further back than where they had the ball in the first place. Um, so advantage should have been over a good while before. Um, there's Spain, uh, one of their wingers, had managed to break through. Um, I think they had advantage. Uh, Spain had penalty advantage. He had one man to beat, uh, and then the ref went, "Oh, well, no, we'll go back for that penalty there." Um, so yeah, Octavian Morariu. Uh, the head of European rugby, um, he uh, he's got his hands in my rock this week because what it's done it's it's taken the the shine off the Six Nations. We could all be talking about that, but now everyone's talking about this debacle, um, and it will directly affect Scotland um, because Romania, um, as it stands, although it's been reviewed, uh, they'll be in our, our group at the World Cup. Um, yes, I mean some of the decisions are absolutely abysmal, and he, there's a point in the first half when Spain are taking a line out. Spanish player walks about two metres onto the, the pitch before chucking it. It's just, it's an absolutely shambolic refereeing display. So do you think, I mean, uh, you've seen the video, do you think it's more a case of an inexperienced referee refereeing above his uh, abilities? Or do you think there's something else? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't be bothered editing this, Ian, so please don't say anything too slanderous. But do you think <laughs> maybe there is there is something else that needs needs further investigations well, yeah well world rugby have um, they are going to investigate it um i don't know the referee it's a romanian vlad uh your it's easy for me to say um I, i'm not sure what level he's at but i'm sure they could have got somebody a bit more experienced and preferably not from one of the countries that would directly benefit from what in the end was a very surprising score is that the solution, maybe, Brody? Do you think then to say at the end of this, look, um, Europe rugby got this wrong, and they shouldn't have appointed the Romanian, and so whether or not there is anything untoward going on, there is the, I don't know the, the possibility that things might not be as transparent as they should be. So let's replay it in the spirit of the game. Or do you think that's are we just going to get this sort of like big world rugby review that comes to naught? They'll back the referee. They'll do that. Um, they can't not do that because then it seems corrupt. 
And besides, Rugby Europe have already come out and said um, the guy was selected by a neutral and skilled committee. committee yes, an independent skilled. neutral skilled committee. <laughs> so I'm interested what skills they managed to utilise <laughs> in order skill? to select a Romanian like referee. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who sits on that panel. Be interesting. The Scott Johnson, maybe. <laughs> no Scott Johnson's uh, spots this week by the way I had lots last week but he's obviously not um, not getting about in Rome much um, I think the only one we've got we've got mine uh, which was the lads playing the sash at the Stadio Olimpico on Saturday on the bagpipes and shouting um, abuse at the Pope um, I don't think there's any need for it I'm quite pleased Scottish Rugby have come out and said they're going to investigate uh, there's one guy there in a, in a, in a Bearsden uh rugby club jersey um he looks a bit sheepish to be fair and um but rather than actually do anything about it just sort of carries on sort of singing along um the person who originally posted it on twitter um sort of seems to be sticking to their guns about it but then i looked at their timeline and they seem quite dyed in the wool um sort of sectarian nutter so i don't (laughs) wouldn't expect much much uh, change out of them in terms of changing their minds on things but um yeah, yeah that's, I, I've not, I, I've not come I across that before. All this kind of stuff, all this sectarian stuff, I think it's embarrassing and parochial. But is the sash a sectarian song? Or was it the version they were singing? I don't think they were... Si- well, I, I think he was playing it on the bagpipes. Yeah, and then um, just shouts out three words. Three yeah. words that end in uh, the 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 last two words are the Pope and the first one is not a nice one. Uh, it's a sweary word. Um, duck, duck the hope. Yeah, duck the hope. Um, let's have a look. It's uh, Wikipedia says oh, it's a ballad from Ulster. It's a ballad from the Irish province of Ulster commemorating the victory of King William the Third in the Williamite War in Ireland in 1690 to 1691. Mentions some various sieges and battles. Um, it's associated with association football. Um, I don't know. It's a folk. I think you're right. It's a. It could, you could argue it's a folk song, but then I don't know what relevance um, I mean, singing a song about King William the Third at the Stadio Olimpico has, particularly other than the ones that. And I know. Right. Like, listen, I'm, I completely. I'm not condoning this for a minute, but Flower of Scotland does talk about a battle against King Edward in the 14th century or whatever. Hmm. Anyway, idiots. that's that's well, that's a, that's an interesting point, and perhaps one for another day. Um, Flower of Scotland. Um, we shall leave it for there. Um, leave you hanging I've got on a comment note. of the week or we will oh, get God, a row from Rory oh, oh we'll get a row from Rory I forgot to do comment of the week ah crap well, well done well done buddy what's your comment of the week it's from the Sheel the Sheel the he, he posts quite regularly and I can never work out if it's Sheel or Cheel but it's basically uh, Chief but with an L instead of the F at the end and it's on the match report piece, and it said, Tooney dodged a real bullet yesterday. From the moment he ridiculously put Vernon in the squad, then picked a team to favour Edinburgh, starting our fifth-best lock, chose a combination of undercooked and knackered players, the mental attitude was set on how it showed. Thank goodness for Laidlaw. Unbelievable he's getting criticism. As has been said elsewhere, balls of steel. And Fagerson needs to decide if he's going to be the world-class prop he can be or our answer to Joe Marler getting a reputation for starting push and shove all the time. 
Bottle Good shout on. that. Yep. Spawn, yeah. Uh, Ian, did you pick one? Because I didn't. Y- yes, I did. But um, when you said Shield, I just remembered I learned an interesting fact about Charlie Shield uh, this week. Apparently, he's a trained barber. Um, oh. But yes, my, uh, my comment is from Andy Slow uh, on the uh, match report again. Uh, we looked tired and played a ponderous game, trying to build momentum from a flat attacking line. Contrast this with Italy, who didn't do anything particularly bewildering, but hit the line from deep with pace and built scores. Uh, we were in serious danger of being overrun at the start of the second half, but hung on, and luckily the substitutions made the difference. Um, there was a bit more bit negativity about Laidlaw, um, but then at the end, contra- congrats to Ireland on a well-deserved slam. He said, I don't like to criticise Laidlaw. I should give him that credit at least, but it's quite long. Congrats it, to Ireland I, do, I, don't like to criti- I don't like to criticise Laidlaw, but went on and criticised but- Laidlaw. Yeah. That sums up our comments section in one neat. <laughs> <laughs> It offers all round, but we still won the bonus points. There we go. Always end on a positive, eh? Did it mention yeah. Stuart Hogg at 10 in the last sentence? No, no, no. That's slower down. There was a few of them. Jesus, yes. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think Rory, Rory attempted a why Stuart Hogg at 10 is a bad idea article, but it was very, very short. <laughs> it consisted of like, because it's a terrible idea. It <laughs> won't <laughs> work. The end. Yeah. Um, I've, I've realised I've already had my comment of the week already because I, I, chose, I chose Matto. Um, yes. And he's yes. he's he's lovely wife, and um, it Harley started out quite creepy that comment, and then got better, and then it was all right by the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I hope Matto and his wife have have enjoyed the podcast. Um, I hope we've, the we've put them in the mood. Yeah. Um, we'll leave it there for this week. Um, we will be back next week with a full Six Nations review. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blog at Cami Black. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Visit the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We will remember to read out comments next week, I promise. Um, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I think that's everything for now. Um, so for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Ian and Brody. Cheerio. Goodbye, and just quickly, thank you to the Offside Line for letting us use their article, and please check them out. Great website. Uh, yeah, so we'd second that. They they do um, they they cover uh, especially a lot of uh, club rugby. So uh, yeah, big shout out to them, um, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Oh, shut up, you stupid idiot! I hate you, Butler. I hate you!